raid on Bungling Bay. On a tiny, remote planet, the evil Bungling Empire is creating an awesome war machine. Civilization as we know it seems doomed. One faint hope remains. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Sam. And I'm Sean. And today, at approximately one second ago, <sighs> we learned that Raid on Bungling Bay and Load Runner take place in a shared universe <laughs> where... As one's like helicopter is trying to destroy an, a galactic empire, another lone man is robbing their facilities. <laughs> I like to think of it in that in the way that Load Runner failed. You know, this is the universe where he failed, and they kept all the gold and they invested it in military technology. No, no, no you're 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 wrong. This is a game that that spans millennia. There's been a fight between the bunglings and the humans for. For so long that they went from caves and gold to helicopters and, and, and war machines. No, no, no. You're both wrong. <laughs> this is a game where these two things are happening exactly simultaneously. While, while you're in the helicopter shooting at bases, the other guy's in one of those bases collecting that gold and has got to get out in time. Stay uh, tuned next time wrong. for the fan fiction edition. <laughs> yeah, you're all wrong because these two games are definitely not related, and this is a stretch by Broderbund, <laughs> the publisher of the games, to try to link them up on their own because these games were definitely created by two totally different people. Oh, and Santa's not real, huh? Yeah, Whatever. Doug Smith. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. It some, could be little children. Listeners listening and that's fine. Sam's Jewish, so he could care less if people found out the truth about Santa. Um no, I was saying. And by like truth, you, I mean. I was saying like false, you don't, like you don't false, believe. <laughs> I, I was saying false, false, false prophet. I was saying it like you don't believe. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't tell me Santa's a false flag. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Raid on Bungling Bay. We have to talk about that. This game was developed by Will William Wright. Wright. Who is William Wright, Sean? Will Wright is the developer of Sim City, and and this game was pretty much what made and, him and make Sim City. I okay yes that is true I thought you could just keep listing off some cool things he's done like The Sims oh well yeah but that's less important Sim City The Sims and most importantly Spore <laughs> <laughs> wait he must was hate that, that no that wasn't him yeah oh, yeah Will, William Wright I that was, was Peter Molyneux for yeah some yeah reason. no no Peter Molyneux is uh, Fable <laughs> and then like um, the game with the tiger right like the tiger the connectimals game i don't think he did kick, no connectimals is a totally different what? thing but i just want to hold him responsible for anything that didn't pan out on the xbox 360 <laughs> like it was his fault he also had that game where you click on cubes uh, and we're still talking about Peter Molyneux? Yeah. Okay. It was a game where you click on cubes and, like, eventually somebody <laughs> was going to click the last cube. Oh, yeah. And then that person became God in a different game. <laughs> what? What? I'm, I'm not joking. No, Look yeah. all this up. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. He, it, he gets, uh, his, he's a little bit too big for his britches. But right. you, I, I admire his, his, uh, his aspirations. You could say William Wright is almost the opposite, though, uh, up until Spore. Like, he just kept 
envisioning bigger and bigger things each time, and they were succeeding. Like, first it was... Well, he kept getting small. Well, okay. No, you're right. In the beginning, he kept getting bigger. Yeah, I mean, you think of, like, Sim City is definitely an accomplishment, but I would say, like, The Sims is arguably a bigger accomplishment than Sim City. But it is a smaller scope. Smaller scope, but, but it's is more it really, personal. Yeah, I think you it's know? more personal. Well, it's, it's a deeper not, dive. Yeah, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> I think it's but I think it's also just, actually, it, it's more expansive than... Just, Sim City. Just a house. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yes, yeah, but that's there's, there's emotions house, and there's... You control everything about it and the person inside of you. You can go to a job he, well, instead okay. of going to your job. There was also Sim Earth, uh, which was kind of, like, weird, and I didn't know how to play it, but I had it on Super NES. Then there was Sim Ant. Yes. Which was Sim Copter. Sim Copter. Uh, you can't forget the Sims Sim Live Large expansion pack for golf? the original Yeah, there Sims. was Sim Golf. Yep. Okay, that's... There's a lot of expansions for the original Sims, too. Uh, And also, we should start talking about Raid on Bungling Bay. I think it's important that we talk about (laughs) William Wright, though, because I think, like, we can't understate his importance. Like, Doug Smith, cool guy, developed Loadrunner. I thought that was awesome. William Wright is, like, one of the, like, original... Yeah, he's, like, one of the original pioneers of of video games. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this game, Raid on Bungling Bay, was released on the Commodore 64 first in 1984, and then came to the NES in September of 87. We're still on that long train of September. I think we said something like 17 games, which is weird because 17 games came out during the entire NES launch. Yeah. You know? And now it's like, that's just September. Um, Hudson Soft again. For the NES version, which makes sense because Broderbund, again, for publisher for the NES, uh, the North American version. Guys, let's talk about the gameplay for Raid on Bungling Bay before we go any further. Because if we try to talk about this game without telling the audience yeah. what they're doing, I think, like, this one really surprised me. So who wants to take it? I'll, I think I'll, I'll go ahead. All right, Sean. Um, so in this game, you play as the single lone, um, like... Uh, agitator in a war. You're the military. Yeah, you are. You are the military. Just like you in, in several other games, you're the only person fighting for your side. Um, but you, you're a guy who's based on a uh, a, a World War Two era uh, aircraft carrier, um, and you go and try to bomb factories before they build the war machine that will destroy Earth. Um, but in the meantime. You have to deal with a slowly but surely evolving defense force um, that, if you're not quick, will create a battleship to sink your only hope of, like, just surviving. Yeah, and and on top of that, too, I can't overstate the whole, like, real-time element of this game, which is, like, the coolest part of it, is that time actually does matter because... It's not about like, okay, now that you've defeated the first factory, the game gets harder. It's actually about time and that the factories will continue to churn out more enemies. They'll churn out like tougher things. They'll become stronger. And it's interesting how time plays in this game. And and there are other factors that like surprise me too. Like there are little little radar satellites that if you're near one, it'll alert, it'll draw more enemies to you. It's alerting the enemies as to where you are. That's in the manual. Whether or, <laughs> and whether or not like there are any like interconnected systems that are causing these things to happen, just the scope of the game, the fact that it's a 360 degree wrapping map um, that's pretty huge, uh, combined with at least like the uh, illusion that everything is sort of working together, like it it really creates 
at least the effect of a simulation. Yeah, it's all happening in real time. There's no yeah. loading screens. There's no cutscenes. There's no like when this thing happens, like things will change. Things just change as they're like scripted to do yeah. through time. So you really do have to kind of like you know rush to find these locations of the factories fast because if you're not fast enough in bombing them, they're gonna be able to rebuild themselves too and rebuild their their uh, their army. So this yeah. way you won't be able to continue to take them down. And I like even um, one thing that's cool about this game is that other than the helicopter, which you control, there is a carrier that you can continue to go back to to get some health and get uh, replenish your bombs. But the interesting thing is, is that even that carrier is susceptible to enemy attack and can be destroyed. Yeah. And if that carrier is destroyed, that's kind of like. You know, now you're yeah. now this is what you have. Yeah, like you left. got those bombs, and if you can't do it, <laughs> then you're done because you need the carrier to reload. Right. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about just the real time element of things. Obviously, that that was the gameplay mechanic. But how much did you guys feel it personally? I'd like to go around the room actually and just share experiences. So, Joe, how much did like you know the factories building against you and like the army getting larger and larger feel in your gameplay experience at first almost not at all actually for a while i just thought the game was getting more difficult i didn't read the manual at first i wasn't i was kind of figuring out my goal as i went i was actually wasn't clear that i was supposed to be bombing the factories well, because the game totally just drops you yeah, right in it doesn't right explain it. a thing right but after a while i did start to realize that you know I, I noticed these satellites they weren't attacking me but i could destroy them so radar dish radar dish sorry apologies everyone mm-hmm. um so they um they I, I started to i looked into the manual about that and was like whoa these are actually affecting things and then i started to realize like the amount of enemies that are coming at me and eventually something uh, what is it, another battleship attacked my aircraft carrier and that's where i was like wow this game is like really attacking me now like, and then i kind of started to piece it together but it took me a little while to figure it out sure sean um, yeah, it, it really comes at you pretty quickly after you've bombed a couple of factories and it, and it does feel like a natural, uh, like buildup. Like I, I actually sort of, it, it is pretty immersive this game, uh, when it comes to, uh, watching, uh, things evolve on the ground. Um, I was, I, I really liked the fact that like in the midpoint, like mid, Factory destroyal um, section. Yeah. How many factories are there? Do we remember? I the think six. it was oh six. Okay, I thought six there were seven, seven, but yeah, I thought probably. there were seven. No, no, you're probably right. Um, well, anyway, it, you can actually like see on some of the islands, or I guess continents, whatever you want to call them, uh, full like airstrips or air, airfields, mm-hmm. and you could see the um, the fighter planes or the bombers either like landing or about to take off and i just really wanted to get them before you before they took off um it it did feel like you were trying to slow an almost uh unstoppable force yeah uh sam anything dead um not really i kind of just like i I, this is one where i looked at the manual after i started playing it and i was just kind of flying around a little bit not really sure what was going on? Just idly waiting for the <laughs> army to come to you. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they did after I looked at the manual and realized it had to be destroying factories. Uh, and 
Yeah, I don't. I don't really. And I think like one thing. One thing you learned pretty fast too is that like taking down a factory isn't as simple as just Uh, dropping one bomb. Yeah, we were talking about this. Like they take a lot, right? Yeah, Yeah. that that I thought was a little bit annoying personally. But um, as far as like the systems of this goes, I thought it was it was interesting. Once I got into it, and you know, I was like, once I got an alert, that was that was kind of fun. Yeah, I think like one thing that's really interesting is if you guys remember Miyamoto talking about with Legend of Zelda how that idea that it would just be like one world that's just kind of like things are just going on, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that that's not true because things just animate on when you get to the next right. screen, but it does kind of feel like that. This game takes that a step further while obviously reducing the scale, just focusing on one particular mission. But I, I, I kind of appreciate this game a lot yeah. for the way that it like... The way that it set, like, a very clear objective, assuming you've read the manual. I think they could have done a little more legwork on, like, in the title screen or something to, like, also... Just a paragraph. Yeah, exactly. But just, like, they do enough in just that one... The clearness of the one mission and just, like, the... The fact that the goal always remains the same of how to defeat factories, but they definitely, like, scale up in difficulty as time goes by, not just because they're also building themselves... But that the, you you know it takes more bombs and there's only a certain amount of bombs you can carry. So by factory number three, you must stop at the carrier to um, to pick up a second load of bombs because you won't have enough in a single drop to uh, to yeah. destroy the factory. And so that that like added to the pressure too. And you have to you know it's easy to find your first factory. I feel like because you can just kind of go off in any direction. Yeah. Mm. But in the later ones, you kind of have to think about where have I been? Where do I need right. to go? Like, what have I seen? Mental map landmarks. Um, and yeah. I also think uh, one thing that this game does well is uh, like switching between modes, like offense and defense. Like, yeah. you'll be off on a search, and then suddenly you'll get that alert, and now you have to completely change your your uh, your perspective and say like, okay, I have to remember where I was and just get there as fast as possible. Uh, I think this game had a lot of tense moments in there. I tried doing both at some points where, uh, I, you know, usually I just go as slow as I can over the factories to make sure I hit it. But there were some points where, you know, the planes are coming at me and I'm saying, all right, I'm going to shoot the planes. And then, yeah, precision <laughs> drop to fly directly over the factory while I'm chasing planes and drop a bomb. <laughs> and, it, you know, those, those moments felt really cool. Yeah, I definitely felt like the fighter jets put on the most amount of pressure. Like the tanks yeah. were kind of like easy. Yeah, to, the boats to don't really bother you. Yeah, yeah. The boats are just like kind of out for for a nice Those, boat ride. They might yeah, just be fishing for all yeah. we know. Yeah, <laughs> but they're fishing as the enemy. Yes, they're, yeah, the, the enemy is fishing, and we can't those let are, them have right. food. Those are innocent <laughs> fish. Yeah, um, so switching gears a little bit, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like just going back <clears throat> down to a more like micro level of this game, the controls. Um, the way that you control the helicopter is more of like a tank. Um, is this the first time that we've had like tank controls in an NES game? No, I mean, it, I guess it depends on how you look at it. Like it's we've like, had, we've had similar things in uh, what was it? Akari Warriors had the tank where yeah, but uh, that was a little bit different. Yeah, I, I think because what you're getting at is like if you're facing facing you're any facing direction north, up is forward. Yeah, if you're facing yeah exactly if you're facing north then. East is, you know, to your right. But if you're facing south, like, maybe I'm describing this in a really weird way. If you're, fa- if you're facing up on the screen, you hit right to go to the right. But if you're facing down, you hit right to go to the helicopter's like, right. So it's going yeah. to It's like asteroids left. control. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Okay, yes. yeah. So, no, in that case, I don't think we've really had a game like that. Yeah, yeah. and it, it caught me off guard a little bit, but once I realized what was going on, it was 
you know, it was great. I thought the controls yeah. worked really well. Yeah, and there's actually, also like several levels of acceleration too. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, if you're going. The manual says really, like it increased. In, in, oh, sorry. Go ahead. In the manual, I think it says it increases in 30% increments or something all the way up to 100. I'm and not, to the I'm point exactly where you come sure. at a standstill too, which helps when you're over the factories because yeah. you definitely want to be hovering over those factories. And also mm-hmm. the reverse, you have to hold down, I think. Yeah. Yes. You can't just go full reverse, which I think is also convenient because if you're trying to brake and then all of a sudden you're flying backwards, you know. Right. And to be honest, I initially, as soon as I started using the controls, I was a little aggravated by them. But like you said, once I got the hang of it, I think yeah. that's the only way this game works so well. That's yeah. the only reason this game feels so good to control is like you the way you can kind of swing around with these controls mm-hmm. and, and after the acceleration. A- yeah, you don't have to hold it down to go forward. Like you can you set your acceleration to like one thing yeah. forward and, and focus I'll, on turning. I'll be like orbiting around a, a tank or something, right. like going just out of reach and then coming back and then swooping in. It's it's fun to fly Got the helicopter. expressive maneuvering, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. and what do we think about the choice for a helicopter as opposed to like a fighter jet? Like take it or leave it, interesting I like it. idea. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it's definitely different. Like it's not take it or leave it because you have you have the option to hover, like you were saying, and you have... I think I, this game would be way too. But, uh, I mean, I know that some, there is a lot of frustration in this game that we haven't really touched upon too much. But I, this would this game would be way too frustrating if if you had to go at a at a fighter pilot speed at all times. Right. It's like the uh, precision that you need in this game can only be done with a ho- like a hovercraft or or yeah, a no, helicopter. Definitely. Yeah, I think it works really well. <laughs> So, Sean, you talked about some of the frustrations. Would you like to kind of crack open that one and talk a little bit about, like, what you didn't find satisfying? Um, well, I think the first, uh, I think the most glaring one is that the sound in this game is atrocious. Um, what about that it, sick music track? It sounds, okay, the, the, the music track is the least uh, uh, the, the least offensive. Really? Part. I thought the music track was... It's two notes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's just like very low bass tones that you can sort of tune out after a while. Yeah. Whereas if you are in a in a fight, it, it sounds like a Nine Inch Nails breakdown where he just like <laughs> smashes the, the synthesizer. Um, it, it, it sounds like the sound chip can't t- handle yeah, it. Yeah, I guess that's true. It sounds a little like it's peaking. All yeah. The yeah. The, uh, the fighter jets especially, I think, are just kind of there a lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, but sometimes that's good, though, because it's kind of. Like this intimidating sound. <laughs> it is an intimidating know? sound. I, I think one thing that frustrated me about this game, and, and maybe it was like part of the game's themes, you know, was <laughs> like there's a there's like a fatalism to this game where it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know about you guys, but there came a point where I, I was just always, as sooner or later, I was like, well, it was a good attempt, but now the army has bested me. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like there came a point where it's just like, too much, like too much time has passed. You really had to like memorize where all the factories were. Or, or else, you know, you're just not going to get to them yeah. fast enough. And now you're kind of like overwhelmed by the army that they've built and the fortresses they've created. Yeah, that, it, it really reminds you that you're one guy against the entire <laughs> planet's army. Yeah. Um, I think that one thing that really illustrates it that was definitely intentional is you don't just blow up like in a lot of these, a lot of the games we've played. Like you have a good few seconds to just accept what's happened and spiral out, and, of, and control. Spiral out of control. You. Uh, you are encouraged to try and like aim your crash at the factory, right? Like just I, to suicide into it because all hope is lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, 
one one thing while I was um while I was playing like my first round of it was just kind of thinking like okay not not that bad but I just got to do it a little faster and like the fact that that became the motto each time I tried over again I think there was there was a point where I kind of wondered like okay how much of this game is is going to be reduced to like memorization of locations and how much of it is going to be chalked up to like can I fight the army or not because I think there is just a point where you become overwhelmed, yeah, by it. And I don't and I, know if there's a, a if there's ever a moment where it plateaus. Like I don't know where it's like max capacity for the other. For, for and I'm not opponent. saying the game's impossible. Yeah. I'm saying that I just I, I think my biggest complaint is that in a game where it's like living and breathing world where things are happening, it is kind of weird that it encourages like a memorization. Yeah, and I almost wish that like this game. Like the map changed each time. It updates or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. like like so this way yeah, and just this way it was like you couldn't you never got a chance to get comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. Like uh, after a few playthroughs, I, I knew the you first three exactly I was gonna where, hit yeah. because they were near each other. You know, I'd only have to go to the factory, back to the carrier, to the it factory, doesn't even back need to, to the carrier. Be, it doesn't even need to be like some weird algorithm that creates new continents. You just move the continents. <laughs> right, no, exactly. Yeah. And and I I think like, yeah, there would probably be like some some that just offer like terrible balance, but yeah. I mean we play the pandemic board game and that happens to <laughs> us sometimes too with the the luck of the cards, you know. So yeah. it's like okay, just you had a bad run, reset. Or oh, this was an easier time, but that's because in this timeline the empire sucked. The, 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 <laughs> the only thing that would kind of hurt is if I if 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 I'm competing against you for a better score than you, then it's hard to it's hard to be true. Like, yeah, the game does have a score part too, which I just thought was strange. But yeah. I did like how it does reward like the quickness again. Like mm-hmm. you do get a bonus if you defeat the things faster mm-hmm. than you should. And I, I don't know how it calculates that, but I appreciated that. And uh, I think like yeah, I think like at the end of the day, I was kind of like I could care less about my score. There's a mission here. Like that's really <laughs> yeah, what exactly, I care yeah. about. You gotta save the world. Yeah, uh, save which world? Oh, we're not sure. Well, but. Yeah. The- <laughs> You gotta save the guy who's collecting the gold in, inside the. Yeah, you're just trying to stall so we can get all the gold. You're just a distraction. Yeah, that's the lore now. Does anybody else have any stray thoughts? Well, I wanted to talk about uh, two player. Okay, did, go for did, it. Now, I didn't, I didn't play with anyone, but I just wanted to see what two player was all about. So I, I gave it a try just to see what you're controlling. You're controlling one player. One is controlling the helicopter. Player two is controlling like the turrets and stuff. Yeah, which I, I like the cool. asymmetric uh, multiplayer. You yeah. don't see too much of that. Usually, it's just like take turns or sort of like a messy co-op. It was right. the best. It was the best solve here for sure. Because yeah. if you think about it, if you had a second helicopter, how would you control the screen? Like, right. Yeah. Like yeah. it would have to be like a Sonic and Tails situation where the secondary helicopter is just there. Yeah. And we'll just complete. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever happens to it, screw it. Like yeah. Yeah. We, we care about player number one. Yeah. Yeah. And I obviously since I was just myself with two controllers, I only played for like a second. I'm not sure if you if you control anything other than the turrets, or if it's, if you could ever control like a like a fighter plane or anything like that. But as far as I know, you're just controlling like the turrets. I, I'm fairly certain that you only ever control the helicopter. But I'm no, I'm I mean to- the player two. Yeah, player two. That's what I'm saying. Other enemies. I don't think you control the other enemies. Right. I'm, I'm fairly certain you only ever control the, the turret part of yeah, the helicopter. Uh, but I think it's like a cool. No, no, no. You're controlling no, the you, enemy yeah, turrets. You're, you're controlling the enemy. Like the turrets. You're attacking on the ground. player one. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, I completely miss. I mean, obviously, I didn't play two player, but right. I completely misunderstood what they were talking about. Yeah. Okay. Can you attack so, the um, 
like the bad guys also? Well, the, I don't think it so. would have to be all on the same screen. So this is, okay, we're this all is just sort of like turret. shooting in the dark. Here. Yeah, 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 yeah no, but, but I do. I, I like it though it. because yeah. we don't totally know yeah. what's happening. But I, I, I'm kind of more. Yeah, we gotta play this. I really do I think, play I think it. It I fun. like that less than what I read into. I read into the idea that like you were control like somebody was controlling the firing aspect of the helicopter and the other person was controlling the maneuvering <laughs> of the helicopter uh, and i kind of like that more as like I, a I don't know game. i find i find it more interesting uh, that you are trying to fight the play, player yeah I, I think that's cool because it's it's different and yeah it's, uh and from what i gathered from my quick my quick test of this is that which whenever you're flying whatever uh, turret is on the screen uh, you're the uh player 2 is just controlling that turret for me that that was something that I was like kind of sad I missed out on, but now I'm just kind of like, eh, all he did was control the turrets. Like, whatever. I don't know. Oh, really? I feel like that yeah, would, yeah. that would change unique for me. Yeah. We've played yet. Like, yeah, I, I, I just, I, now I, I really want to feel like that the play, you know, like when player one has the ability to just kind of like control where they are in the environment. And you're just kind of like, I like the idea more of the co-op nature of it than just you're the turrets. I don't know. Something, something about that just, Seems I like the asymmetric style of it, but uh, to each their own, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, if we don't have anything else, straight thoughts, any others? No? Okay, cool. We'll go into some great developer quotes from the man himself, William Wright. Which one would you like first, publishing or gameplay? <laughs> I'll take gameplay for 400 Alex. <laughs> all right. This is William Wright on gameplay. I came up with the idea of this big scrolling window, and I'd always loved helicopters, so I just basically designed the endgame around the technology, around what you could do on the Commodore that you could not do on the Apple. While I was making it, I had to build other programs to help me build that program. I had to build a program that would realign character sets. Another one would let you scroll around the world and place these little tiles to build these islands and roads and such. I had more fun with that than actually flying the helicopter around. Oh, that's interesting. And that's what eventually evolved into SimCity. That's interesting. Whoa. He had more fun that's designing cool. the world yeah. part of it and then being like, wouldn't everybody else would like to do this? <laughs> like, I, I this uh, this get... needs a financial district. <laughs> yeah. I kind of get that, though, because there are a lot of like games or just stories in general that I like the lore or like the background world building more than I like any of the stories. So... I, I could see that coming from the creator as well. Yeah. And then on publishing, a lot of people had spent years learning the Apple II, but the Commodore 64 seemed more of a level playing field because everyone was starting from scratch on that. So I bought my early Commodore 64 right when it came out and dove into it and learned every bit of it. I did my first game, Raid on Bungling Bay, on that, right around the time I moved to California. There was about, I don't know, maybe three game publishers near San Francisco. Broderbund was one of them. I just drove to each one and showed them this game that I was working on. I really liked the people at Broderbund, so I ended up working with them. What an interesting time to just be like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to drive. Like, I don't have Broderbund. any connections there, but I'm just going to knock on the door and be like, I made a game. Do you want to see it? <laughs> Wild West time. Yeah. Uh, and that's truly like every, that's what I get from every developer too, is just like, no matter who we talk to, whether it's Japan or America or Rare's interviews, it's always just kind of like, no one was doing this, but we were doing it, so we talked to people who were also doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's just weird to think that um, it, it was that easy to get into, and now and it's mundane. something that people will try yeah. like well, it's so just, hard to do anything to get involved in yeah. You know, it's a small market. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And back then, yeah, back then, I mean, like you think about the game industry now and just how much like think about just how much like one company like Rockstar is taking from from the pile, you know, oh and then think about like Nintendo, Sony and Microsoft, too. It's like it's such a huge industry. It can't be understated. I think like, you know, you think of it as just a $60 game purchase when you buy a new game. But you remember millions of other people are buying that $60 game like those profit margins are huge compared to, game, you know, like movies that sell at $17 a ticket. Cash cow. $17 a ticket in New York, I should say. Some people <laughs> will be like, oh, my gosh, that's unreasonable. Stay where you are. You're lucky <laughs> if your ticket's only 10. You might complain about that, but we have to deal with 17. Welcome to New York, kid. And with that, we will go right into the essential games list. <laughs> and that's a great segue into uh, the essential <laughs> games list. Uh, guys, we're talking about Raid on Bungling Bay. You know, keep in mind that this guy made SimCity, The Sims, Spore. Don't hold that against him. Uh, <laughs> even mind that he made those games, you know, I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that you can, like, give this one a pass or not, but I definitely don't think we should hold it any more favorable because William Wright worked on it, just like we wouldn't give Miyamoto a pass on Donkey Kong. Uh, so with that in mind, Sean. Mike, I, I first of all, I don't appreciate you trying to color my response okay um i'm not i'm not a a more uh i don't know what that uh, that doesn't mean yeah anything. it's a more a uh i'm not a more. <laughs> uh i was never gonna put this on the essential games list i am sort of in love with this game but i know that ju- just by the way that i voted in the past and by what we're trying to do with it it's not an essential game uh, it's got a lot of cool features it's got a lot of uh, interesting systems. I think it's uh, probably the most immersive game I've played on the NES so far. Um, I, I love just like what, like just looking at this and seeing what uh, all of the ideas turned into in the future. Um, and I'm definitely recommending it to anybody that's into uh, any kind of like w- whether it's uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, or or you you just like Sim City and you want to see what, it, what where it came from, or you just want to shoot down some uh, shoot, shoot down some fighter planes. Just uh, check it out, but it's not essential. All right, I'm gonna go next since uh, we're spinning up the order here, and I'm gonna say that this is maybe the first NES game that has surprised me. I didn't even think that something like this could be done on the NES. Um, just to put it in perspective, Sim City was supposed to come to the NES very late in the life cycle, and they have since found, like, a beta version of it, but, of course, it wound up going into, like, the early Super Nintendo launch. But these kinds of games are not really, like, present on this system. And so just to see something like this in in its wide scope, performing pretty well, keep in mind, like, I mean, we had, like, a few things that, like, are definitely, like, knocking it down but i think as well as it performed this would have been one of my favorite games around that time you know like in 1987 i would have been all over this thing definitely but we have like evolved in 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 gaming in general like from that and i definitely think that like this is something that hasn't been copied that much like like we've seen the real-time aspect play out in games and we've seen the like aerial dogfight thing play out better in games but the two of them together 
not something you see every day. I'm definitely not going to put this on the essential games list, like, just because, you know, you don't get on the essential games list just because you did something no one else has done. But I definitely think, like, if you haven't, if you're a, a guy who's been playing the NES for, like, a few decades, or you're brand new to the NES, I think that if you haven't heard of this game before, and you know what William Wright has done, and you like that kind of thing, this is going to be right up your alley, just like it was up mine and Sean's. Like, I, I definitely give this a huge play it, uh, even if it's, like, for me, incredibly difficult. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely give it a huge play it, just because it's something that you're not going to see again. Uh, I'm sure it had it has been done Please point it out, because yeah. I, I want to play it. Right, exactly. I I just think, like, the, those two elements being combined is, like, a rare fusion that we that we don't see too often. So I'm definitely, not only has it piqued my curiosity, it's a strong game, just not strong enough by today's standards to get it on the Essential Games list. Joe? We didn't we didn't really say our initial impressions, and I, th- I think that's important to know what my initial impression just from turning it on the first screen. My initial impression was like, oh god, like it looked it, it gave me very 1942 feels just by looking at yeah. it. <laughs> so I was also pleasantly surprised, actually very similar to the way I was surprised in last week's episode. Load runner. That <laughs> took me a second. <laughs> Not surprised enough to remember the name, but um, but yeah, I think that. Based on a lot of the other things that we've seen on the, on this this is on this system, we've definitely this is definitely doing a lot more. Um, it, it was more fun than I thought it was going to be. Even before you found out that the world is like kind of reacting to what you're doing, um, which is just an incredibly impressive. Um, biggest negative for me is the music, <laughs> but that's not the reason that I'm going to say it's not essential. I think overall, it's not something that I'm actively going to seek out to play again i i I enjoyed playing it i'd also say it's a play it um but not essential sam i i'm kind of in the same boat as everyone else i thought that this was possibly the most unique game that we've played on this system i and i haven't really played anything like it on other systems uh i think that if it had some kind of progression system built into it you know where you can upgrade your helicopter or you know things change a little bit more than it would be essential if there were if there was more to it it would be but there there is a lot going on there's like different systems taking place uh and i think it's definitely a play it but it's not essential i think it has an amazing foundation though and it, it could be it has potential but it's you, not. You definitely have me now hankering for a sequel where yeah. there are power-ups. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think, like, yeah, I the thinking... ability to upgrade the helicopter, and it's funny because we always think about, like, what what could this game have done? We didn't touch that in here, but I yeah. really think, like, you hit the nail on the head there. Like, that is definitely something that, t- like, yeah. would, would definitely, like, sell me on a sequel. Like, I'm saying... it doesn't even need to be in the original version, but it should be there. The closest game that I can think of uh, um, that sort of, like, emulates parts of this game is... Sort of nothing like it. Uh, if you play Luft Rousers, um, anybody? No. Okay, no. so Luft Rousers is an indie game. Uh, it's you're, you play as a single fighter jet that you can customize with different kinds of propulsion and uh, uh, firing types and body types. And uh, you just sort of scroll around this... Um, uh, this area where you can, where you just do dog fights, but it's, it's a lot more like trance inducing. It's, it's a lot more fighting 
there aren't it's not as like much of a simulation at all but i think just like the the movement style and the sort of just like the chaos that can unfold in front of you in air combat is like the closest i can i can get to uh what i've played in in raid on bungling bay i think that if this game and gradius had a a, ba- a ga- blah, a baby game together i was thinking gradius too when you mentioned up you know for some reason i like, think if if there were like like somehow like a boss fight where you know you fight someone else in a helicopter and you gotta like weave around each other or something and you know upgrade systems so you can change your weapons i think that would be an amazing game i i also think that if if we at some point play this multiplayer if that is you know as well designed and, and is and is as fun as i as i feel like it could be i think that could i wouldn't won't say that it would make me change my vote but it would definitely take it closer for me yeah, we'll have to do that before uh, the end of 87 show. Right. All right. Uh, that is all the time we have for this episode of Nostalgia. A very surprising one, I think. Yes. Raid on Bungling Bay is uh, one of those games that I had never heard of before this episode. So no, even, right. even as it was coming up, I didn't like look at it and be like, hmm. Wonder what that's about. Also, should mention that the cover for this game, the front box art, is like terrifying. Deceiving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it a like big a skull on it. Game, like, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get any survival horror games on the <laughs> NES. Uh, I think there is one that's been mentioned to me, but it was Japan it's only. So we'll have to, game. yeah, we'll have to go do that. Uh, anyway, we will do that one time soon. Hopefully, we'll uh, go like to play Japan. some, go to Japan. <laughs> hopefully, one day, I'd love to. Um, and yeah, maybe nostalgia goes to Japan, guys. <laughs> the most expensive free podcast episode ever. Uh, okay, I'm Michael Esposito. I uh, make the website nostalgiacast.com. Go there for show notes and stuff. I also curate the Twitter feed. So go to nostalgic at nostalgiacast on Twitter and you'll see a bunch of things about Raid on Bungling Bay. You would have seen them this week, but you can check out next week's game, a bunch of promotional art for that. So that's cool. Um, which is Ring King. So ring ting get ting. in the ring, King. If you think <laughs> nice. you're the Ring King, challenge us to a fight. IRL, find me on the streets of Manhattan. <laughs> Put up your fists, and I'll know what you're. I'll know what you're communicating. I think it's really cool that you're a listener of this show. Before he kicks before you. I kick your butt. <laughs> um, now he's gonna kick my butt. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm Michael Zito. You can find me on Adesposito Film on Twitter. Don't fight me there. Only in real life, please. Uh, thank you. Have a great day or morning, whatever, or go to bed, yeah. whatever time it is. <laughs> Get eight hours of sleep, please.